from our virtual studios in Portugal. <laughs> and Camarillo, California. It's time once again for the Marketing Geeks with your hosts, Andro Sturgeon and Justin Womack. And we have a very, very special show today because we are going to be talking about email marketing all the way from deliverability to copywriting to mastering your emails. That's right. Yes, email is still relevant in the year 2018 slash 2019. And we're going to bring it all to you. Not only that, we are also going to bring you geek news and, of course, the Sex Robot Report. You know that we missed that last week, Andres. You know that you forgot to do it last week. (laughs) We had complaints. The listeners were, were terrified. They were mortified. And now we're bringing it back to you. So don't worry. No, they thought they, but, they switched formats. But without <laughs> any further ado, of all the geek podcasts out there, this is one of them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time once again for the Marketing Geeks. We are live. How are you, my friend? Guess where I am? I, I heard in the intro that you're in Portugal. Is that true? That's right. That's right. I am in Portugal right now. Part of the thing about being a marketing person of my ilk is that I can uh, do this from anywhere. So I'm recording. I'm in a, I'm in a little town called Nazarene and uh, it is uh, – they have really good fish and it's, uh, it's great. And so today I woke up. I was uh, working on some client work. Uh, I was uh, overseeing a website. I was uh, putting a proposal together, um, working for a huge company. So wish me luck with that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so it uh, it's uh, it's good to be me. That's all I can say. It, wow, it must be good to be you, buddy. It uh, is, but you know, it's good to be me too because I'm recording in the exact same spot. It's raining outside. But you know what's changed is – I am using Google Wi-Fi now, so I, I took the leap. I bought the Google Wi-Fi units. It's a it's a three pack, so it's got the signal booster on a mesh network, and it is awesome. It took my uh, it took my internet speed five five x, so I'm I'm getting five x on the Wi-Fi speed because of the Google Wi-Fi devices. Wow, so uh, you're you're a convert. I'm a convert, and they're they're pretty easy to set up. You just uh, you just plug them in, and you just connect it through your app, and they get you a new network. And I'm a convert, so I went for it. I heard good things about it. I took the dive, and I'm happy with it so far. Nice, nice. Well, I will. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do that myself. So I'm glad you you uh, jumped on the grenade. <laughs> You're glad I took this. the financial risk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now we know. Now we know. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, in our all of our seven listeners. It is time for another grand edition of the Marketing Geeks. We have a, an amazing show. We're going to be talking about email marketing, and you know, email marketing is one of these things that um, it, it's definitely gotten a little tougher over the past years because uh, a lot of people use Gmail. And uh, if you go into your Gmail, Gmail is split up by default into three different sections. And those sections are your primary email, your social email, and your promotions. And a lot of times what will happen is your uh, email marketing emails will either go into social or promotions, uh, usually promotions. And so a lot of times people will miss those. Uh, But there's ways around that. We'll show you some tricks on how to make sure people get your emails 
uh, and uh, what you can do to guarantee a slightly higher opening than industry average. What is industry average, Mr. Womack? Industry average is for, for opening rate, it really depends on the industry. I mean, if you if you have a warm list, you could get it as, as high as forty to fifty percent. If it's a cold list, you want to get I'd say fifteen to twenty percent. Um, it's it depends on what kind of list you have. I mean, are these like your is it a client list? Is it a um, is it a list of people that opted in on their free will, or is it a list that you purchased? So depending on that type of list, you're going to get a different open rate. So I would say that it really depends on the on the type of list that you're marketing to. Yeah. And then the, then the other question, of course, is how do you grow that list to begin with? And I think we're going to cover all of that stuff in the show. In fact, uh, as I just talked about it, like growing your list, uh, opting in, all of that stuff, like what to put in your email. I think it's uh, this is a pretty big uh, concept, isn't it? It's a pretty big topic and we may have to break it up into multiple parts we'll see but uh deliverability has been something i've been focused on all year so i've really really gone deep on deliverability and i'll talk about some of the uh some of the higher end concepts in this episode to to really get your in your emails in the inbox versus the spam box or the promotions box so there's some uh there's some complicated stuff i'll go through it you may not understand it on a first listen but we're gonna we're gonna talk about it anyway yeah, and I, I have to say that uh, Justin is definitely one of the more uh, uh, brilliant email marketers out there. He uh, he's the guy. So uh, when 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 he speaks, uh, you better you better make sure that you check that inbox because I do the copywriting and the email, and I run the the back end. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You in in you you know how to use uh, you know everything from. Uh, Infusionsoft to uh, automators on uh, Mailchimp to all of that stuff, right? Yeah, Infusionsoft, Mailchimp, Aweber, Active Campaign, ConvertKit. I mean, I could name like a thousand of them. Um, Clavio, there's, there's a ton of them. Yeah, but uh, but uh, so it's a good thing that we have you as a guest on our program because uh, yeah, I'm glad <laughs> that you invited me to be on the show this week. Yeah, it's yeah, great to yeah, be here no as problem. a guest on the Marketing Geeks. Very <laughs> special honor. <laughs> So uh, we got some news here for you. Are you ready for our uh, our big uh, our big news? I'm ready for it. All right, all right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for Marketing Geek News, and uh, that's our new music. Welcome to it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> YouTube uh, YouTube is dropping the paywall from some of its original series uh, and exploring advertising instead. I actually noticed this the other day because. I uh, I heard uh, I've become a podcast junkie myself, and uh, I was listening to this interview with Ralph Macchio uh, regarding the Cobra Kai series, which is a sequel uh, to the uh, Karate Kid movie, which is amazing uh, from the eighties. And uh, they they did a sequel series, and so he was talking about it. And so I wanted to check it out, and I noticed that it was actually on YouTube without me having to pay for YouTube uh, Premium. And uh, I thought, oh, that's interesting. So it looks like they're actually dropping some of the original uh, show paywall where you had to pay for uh, YouTube Red in order to see some of these shows. And uh, so this is from Marketing Land, and it says that the details are still in the works. But in a strategic about face, YouTube announced it will drop the paywall from its original programming and make shows available on the free ad-supported platform with 2 billion users. Uh, until now, consumers were paying subscription-based YouTube premium service 
available in 29 countries to see most of YouTube's original programming. And uh, what they're also going to do is they're going to drop some of the scripted programs uh, that they've been developing. So it looks like uh, from the, the everything I'm seeing here that YouTube is pulling out of the uh, premium streaming game, which is interesting because uh, what's your favorite what's your favorite YouTube original show, Justin? Uh, I've never watched any of the YouTube original shows and I pay for the premium YouTube. I pay for YouTube red, but I've never used it to watch a single original show. The only thing I use it for is to watch videos ads free and also to watch videos while I minimize them so I can listen to videos and minimize it on my phone. I love that feature. I'll pay $15 just for that feature. It's because of you. They're not going to make any more shows. So thank you, <laughs> pal. No, I've you heard know, Cobra you... Kai's amazing. I've heard the shows. Yeah. Amazing. I just haven't watched oh, it. I... I really want to see it. Uh, I was a big fan of the movie, but but you know, I, I think it's also um, uh, Disney is coming out with their streaming service, and they are they are not holding back. They are really just pulling out all the stops for this. I mean, The Mandalorian, uh, which is the Boba Fett show, which is going to be uh, produced and directed by John Favreau, looks like it's probably going to be pretty good. They're going to do some original Marvel shows, including. Uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision, which uh, is going to be probably pretty awesome as well. The Loki uh, show uh, with and they also uh, announced a um, they also have the Winter Soldier and Falcon of a show too. That's right. And meanwhile, they're killing off the uh, Netflix shows. So uh, you know, in in that same vein, we uh, I just heard that uh, Daredevil was canceled. So that means that Jessica Jones and the Punisher are next on Netflix. So, you know, it uh, it looks like Disney's really gearing up to take on the streaming uh, business seriously, especially because they own this huge library of films, including, you know, Hollywood Pictures and uh, Miramax and, uh, of course, all the Disney. Well, and, and all the kids content and even like the oh, Disney yeah. Junior or whatever. I mean, all that stuff is they're going to they're going to crush it. I, th- I think gonna that this is going to be a big success for them personally. Oh, ah, absolutely, and and uh, and they know it, and I think I think that YouTube is kind of like, well, do we keep investing in this? Nobody's watching these shows, or do we just go back to what we're good at? So, well, I plus, think uh, that's... I think there's more money in advertising than in. Um, I mean, if you're going to put a paywall in the shows, like I wouldn't pay fifteen dollars for those shows um, alone. You have to. I pay for the no ads and that, so I'm I'm paying for the no ads. So I'm a customer that it doesn't matter. The shows aren't a real benefit for me. So um, I think so they can still get my money. I'm still going to pay them fifteen dollars a month, uh, but it's, so it makes more sense to throw advertising on these shows and you know and charge a decent amount of money. They can you know, show ads every fifteen minutes or so. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You're going to get more revenue in the long haul. Yeah, and and you know, and I think that that people are still using YouTube, uh, which is interesting because we are actually doing a uh, video advertising slash Google advertising webinar. Uh, for free in the next few weeks. When is that? Um, I'm checking the date right now. I, um, <laughs> I got you I'll, off guard. I'll get back Sorry. to you. Oh, here it is. No, it's uh, December 20th. December uh-huh. 20th at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So December 20th. And uh, yeah, the link uh, will be in the show notes. It was in the show notes last episode too. Uh, but we'll be doing it on Google AdWords and YouTube advertising. So we'll be covering yeah. both of those in this month's special webinar. 
which is uh, very effective. Uh, in other news, uh, this is kind of uh, interesting. This is more my realm. Uh, WordPress is going to release version 5.0 with its uh, Gutenberg editor this week. So if you have a WordPress site or you are, a, you know, if you either if you are a web developer or you just happen to have a WordPress site yourself, uh, there is going to be a massive update to WordPress. Uh, the biggest kind of shift with uh, Gutenberg is that it's co- it, it, it comes included uh, with it the Gutenberg editor. And uh, the old style of WordPress used to be a bit more code heavy. You really had to know uh, at least some HTML, hopefully some CSS if you uh, wanted to really kind of get your hands dirty with uh, doing some customized WordPress. But uh, the Gutenberg editor makes it a lot easier for anybody to build a website. It's kind of a drag and drop interface. Uh, I'm personally a fan of the Divi Builder, which is a theme from Elegant Themes. Uh, and that's I, I, I've tended to use that quite a bit because the, uh, uh, the front end editor is pretty good. But Gutenberg, the new uh, web builder for uh, WordPress, basically takes a lot of these front end concepts and allows you to build a website without knowing any code. So uh, it's interesting because a lot of the bread and butter of my business when I was first starting out had to do with building websites. And back then it was like knowing Elvish, you know, like trying to figure (laughs) out how to build a website was like this secret sort of realm. Uh, And then, of course, things like uh, Squarespace and uh, Wix and and now even WordPress itself has made it so easy for people that uh, almost anyone can build a website without too much uh, problem. And uh, and then I've, I've seen some of these like AI builders now. They're developing like artificial intelligence website builders. And, the, and yeah. I don't think they're very good yet, but they're no. they're coming and they're going to be really good soon. Yeah. And, and, and I've tried the Gutenberg editor uh, in a pre-release. I actually don't like it that much. And uh, I feel it's a little clunky, but it, it, you know, this is just version one of that particular type of technology. Yeah, so, it'll probably get better over time. Right. So if you want to build a website, you know, there's there's no reason you, you can't build a website, even if you have no knowledge of it. And, and probably in a future episode, we're going to go over some uh, SEO tips and tricks for WordPress. So uh, that is kind of big news. Uh, and then uh, you had something about Tumblr, right? <laughs> That's right. I guess I did. I thought you had that story, but I guess I'll cover that story. Go ahead. So Tumblr, which uh, Tumblr, which is an app that what is it like a photo sharing app? Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's it's a blogging app. Yeah, it's a blogging app. Oh, it's a blogging app. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't even really use Tumblr, so I don't even know exactly that much about it. But it has recently been kind of taken over by adult content. And Tumblr Recently. is uh, has announced that in December, I, I think they gave a date. I don't know the date off the top of my head here, but they're going to be removing all adult content from the uh, from the Tumblr platform, and they're probably going to lose a good percentage of their user base. I would uh, I would imagine because um, my understanding is that <laughs> there was a lot of backlash on Twitter about this decision, and people were just like, um, if they take that away, who's ever going to go there? <laughs> 
Well, and yeah, this this had to do with the fact that uh, Apple was actually going to take the Tumblr app off the uh, App Store due to adult content because it goes against their policy uh, because there was explicit content that people were able to see through that app. And, uh, you know, what would have been better is if they just filtered it out through the app itself, which I'm sure somebody thought about. But now they're just saying, well, we're not going to host any more adult content. Uh, and, you know, actually, this is kind of an interesting concept because um, uh, there were uh, a lot of people who uh, curated erotica uh, and a lot of women that uh, curated erotica that were more that was more geared towards women rather than uh, just going to, you know, like your your porn hub or whatever. And so uh, there were some people who actually used it as a legitimate uh, blogging platform for adult content uh, in a way that was more classy. But now that is uh, going away. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't feel that that uh, I, I don't feel that that any material is really offensive unless uh, because every type of material can be offensive depending on who you are and what your personal, uh, you know, mores are about uh, about a certain subject. Uh, you know what? What some person, one person finds to be offensive, another person, you know, that's their that's their thing. So, uh, I, I don't I don't think that this is a really good idea for Tumblr. I think ultimately this is kind of the end of the road for them, and it was a business decision. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and you know, somebody sat down with a calculator and did the numbers and just said, well, if we have more users on uh, using it on uh, through the iPhone than we do, you know. That that use the adult content, so they balanced it out. And they just, you know, figured, well, we better just take it off. But I I, I don't agree with that decision. So time will time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. Um, all right, let's get into the let's get into the main show. I think we've covered enough marketing news. I think I want to get into the email marketing stuff. All right, let's do it. Email marketing. That was our new <laughs> theme for the meat of the show. Uh, what do you got for me, man? Um, well, let's uh, let's start with email marketing deliverability. And so, obviously, when you're doing email marketing, one of the the challenges is getting in the inbox. And the the first thing when you're setting up an email that needs to be done is you need to authenticate your domain. And a lot of people don't even know this, but if you do not authenticate your domain, then the 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 when you send your emails out. They won't know whether it's a spoofed email or a real email. And a spoofed email means that you've just typed in somebody else's email address and it's not really from that email address, but it says it is. Um, and then the real email, you know, meaning that this, uh, I've authenticated that this email is actually coming from this domain. So that, does that make sense, Andres? Am I, am I saying that clearly? Uh, yeah. I mean, more or less. Basically, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, if, if, if there isn't a, like a legitimate domain, your, your emails are also going to get kind of put into the spam box. So, uh, and sometimes this happens where, you know, if, if, uh, uh, if I get an email, it says your, uh, Dropbox account is full and has the Dropbox, uh, branding. But if you look at it, it's from like drop D R O P P B O X X dot com right so uh so the legitimacy of the email address is is super important yeah and to and to verify it so there's actually some processes that you have to do in the back end of your hosting platform to truly verify it and increase your chances of deliverability 
So there are things called like an SPF record, which uh, stands for Sender Policy Framework. And what happens is most of the email platforms will give you a piece of code that is for your SPF record that you need to add into your DNS settings on the hosting platform. So I know uh, for some of you, this is going to be way over your heads and that's okay. But I just want to talk about it because it's uh, it's pretty important actually, and most people miss this. So to truly to truly authenticate your domain, you you really need to be adding these these uh, a couple pieces of code to the back end of the site, and one of them is called the sender policy framework record. Um, another one is called the DKIM record, and DKIM is uh, domain keys identified mail, and so the and the and the other one is called DMARC. So these are three different pieces of code. Um, sometimes they're just two that you need to add. But they, what they do is they will they will tell uh, your sending platform or your hosting platform that you've authenticated. Let's say you're using Mailchimp, so it'll tell the hosting platform that um, any emails coming from Mailchimp are truly from your from your email address. And by doing that, it'll increase the probability that your emails will show up into the inbox of your end users. So this is something that again that most people don't know about this. Um, it's something that I've really dove deep into this year. And so I just wanted to bring it up on the show because uh, a lot of people do not authenticate their emails properly. And that's one of the reasons that they end up in spam. And how do I do that? You do that in the back end. So let's say you had GoDaddy hosting. So if you had Mm -hmm. GoDaddy hosting, you would go to your domain and then you'd go into your DNS settings. And in the DNS settings, you'd have to add, you'd have to add this as like a TXT record. So uh, this is, again, this is probably too complicated for most people, but in, on the back end of DNS records, there are like CNAME records, there are TXT records, um, there's, different, there's different records that you add into the settings there. So you have to add a couple pieces of code on the back end there, and then this will truly authenticate your email. And again, it, when you do that, that's part of the algorithm that determines whether you show up in the inbox or not. And you know how to do this, right? I know how to do this. That's right. I'm doing this for wow, clients right I'm now. I'm good. I'm going to have to hire you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, so that's one way of get, not getting into spam. Uh, but, but let me ask you this: How do you get from uh, going? How do you how do you make it so I can see those emails? Because, like I said, a lot of the emails that are sent to me, even though I've signed up for them, will end up either on the social or the promotions uh, yeah. boxes, <laughs> and and I just miss them completely. Well, Google Google's a complicated thing. So Google has their own record that you need to add into your DNS settings as well to uh, to help improve the chance that you end up in the inbox. Um, Google's very specific on like certain words that if you if you use certain words in your headline, you're likely going to end up in promotions. So you have to be careful about what words you use and not trigger their uh, their system. And then there's also uh, there's something called Postmaster Tools, which is a, a Google tool. That you can uh, you verify your you verify your domain through Postmaster Tools, and then you can look at the back end. And what it'll do is it'll tell you what your reputation is. So you have like an email reputation score, and you have one that's tied to your IP address, and you have one that's tied to your domain. So I have a client right now um, who all his Google mails have been going into spam, and so we've been like we've been spending quite a bit of time trying to figure out okay why why are these going into spam? Why are they not going in the inbox? We authenticated the domain. Uh, that still didn't do the trick. But then when I connected to Postmaster Tools, I found out that his domain had a, a, a quote, bad reputation in Google. And that means that at one point, he sent out an email blast and there were um, too many spam complaints or too many, um, or too many people throwing it into junk. 
So uh, at one point, he, he hurt the reputation of his uh, domain. So at this point, we're now we're going to have to uh, we're gonna have to change the domain that he's using for email blasts, and then we're gonna have to for- then we can forward the replies to a different email address. So it's now this it is gets actually pretty complicated. Yeah, this is kind of interesting because I, I actually uh, I actually didn't know about this tool, but if you go to postmaster.google.com, there's a whole tool there that allows you to uh, do some of this stuff. And uh, yeah. so this is this is something that should actually be we should do a whole uh, webinar just on this particular subject because it goes pretty deep. Um, yeah. Now, I, I also wonder you mentioned there, there's a bunch of words that you kind of uh, on the no list that you don't want to use. What, what are can you give me some examples of some of these words? Um, I, I, no, I, I don't really remember off the top of my head all, all, the, all the words. So I again, when we when we do the webinar, I'll, I'll print out the list or something and I can kind of go through them. But I mean, like if you obviously if you have something that probably the word buy or um, sometimes it's like things like uh, act now. It's just like certain words that are that are very, very typical in email marketing messages. So they have like certain words and phrases that if they if they're used or they're used uh, multiple times, it's going to trigger a um, an alert that that will more likely end you put you in spam. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay. So, so I, I've gone through like postmaster tools. I've, I've got, you know, the, the code, right. Um, uh, I've done my tweaks. So, uh, I'm sending my email. What, what type of content would you suggest is the best type of content to also make sure, uh, that people are going to pay attention, like from headline to body, but also how do I not get into the uh, social or promotions inbox? How do I get into the primary inbox? Because sometimes some emails uh, do get into that, into my regular primary email yeah. box. It starts with, uh, it starts with building your reputation. So when you, when you have a new domain, you really have no reputation score with that domain. So in the beginning, you want to be um, probably sending to smaller audiences and sort of building up your reputation score and then not making a lot of offers, but sending more of like valuable content, your teaching content, um, blog content. You could send people to your blog. You could send people to your website, but don't make like overt marketing messages right off the bat. Um, you're wanting to build your reputation score first. And when you when you do that, that's going to that's gonna help you to show up in the inbox a little bit later. So I would I would start by building up my reputation score in Google, especially. And again, it's, if, you, if you provide content that Google deems is valuable and educational, um, especially in the beginning, you're more likely to show up in the inbox later on when you do marketing messages. So, uh, and again, there's some caution to be tad when you're doing marketing messages, but that's, uh, that's one of the things that will get you in there. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, and then as far as like headline and content, because I know that, you know, I do pay attention to the headlines of uh, a lot of the, you know, emails that come through. And uh, so what what do you recommend as far as like what's going to get the most engagement to get someone to open it, an email, do you think? I mean, it depends on the market. Um the headline is one of the most important things because if you get into the inbox, number one is you got to get into the inbox, not the spam box. But number two is if you um, if you if you write like the body of your email and it's the most amazing email ever, and your headline sucks, nobody's going to open it, and then it's kind of like there was no point in having it to begin with. So it, it needs to be something that's intriguing. Um, if you if you kind of leave like an open loop, meaning you you kind of um, you have. You, you give some information, but you don't give the whole story. So it, it's, um, it, it's like, 
I'm trying to think of this, this one, uh, this one tool changed my business, something like that. And it's kind of a, it doesn't answer what that one tool is, but something that is intriguing. So you need to, you need to be thinking in terms of, okay, how can I, how can I create an intriguing headline that's going to get somebody's attention and get them to open this email? Um, and, and you need to know your audience. So what, what is going to motivate them to open it too? Because even if you're dealing with like an insurance audience versus a marketing audience, it's going to be a very different headline. So like an insurance yeah. audience is going to care more about that their, um, you know, their assets are covered, that they're protected against liability issues, things like that. So it's, it's kind of just knowing your audience, knowing what motivates them, and then um, creating a compelling headline that speaks to them. Now I'm looking at like the, the, like, you know, just going through some of my emails that are in the um, promotions box here and uh, where a lot of them end up. I'm looking at one from uh, Lifehacker, which is a pretty good email. And this one is uh, how much protein, uh, how much protein you really need, or here's how much protein you really need. So that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting because I wonder like, huh, how much is that? Right. Um, and then I'm looking at other ones that are just kind of like product update December. Like, I don't care about that. Right. Unless it's a, uh, a specific type of uh, uh, platform that I'm using on a regular basis, uh, and then uh, you know if it's if it's something that's just like uh, you know big sale on the sixth, I'm definitely you know final hours fifty percent off. I, I I don't really care about that. Although when Invato uh, sends me new freebies, that's something that I'm probably going to pay attention to because I like free things. Yeah. Free things are, um, yeah. If you, if you put like the word free in there, that can be, uh, that can be attractive. Actually that might, um, depending on how you do it, that might trigger the marketing thing though, too, the, um, in Google. So here's, I'm just like kind of looking through my email inbox right now and I can just kind of, um, say a few that, that are attractive. Like when you talk about sales, here's one that says like early bird rate expires on December 7th. And that's kind of, you know, if you want to get in on the sale, that just kind of gives you the urgency, um, I'm just trying to find, I thought I saw one here. Let's see. I had one more. Okay. There's one that says, don't make assumptions. It's kind of ambiguous. Achieve your holiday goals with innovations. And yeah, I mean, those are kind of interesting headlines. I mean, these are, I'm just pulling these out of my inbox. Uh, do you want to know your marketing automation score? So asking a question like that, that could be uh, an interesting headline as well. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is the idea of formatting your emails. So when you've probably noticed this, if you've made your emails in MailChimp, you made them in Aweber, you've made them in Infusionsoft or Salesforce, whatever you send your emails through, um, your emails will show up differently on you know desktops. They'll show up differently in Outlook. They'll show up differently in Gmail. They'll show up differently in Yahoo. Uh, and so there are tools out there where you can customize the way they appear in every single platform. Now the tools aren't; they're not really cheap. But the one that I've found to be the best, and this is the one that was recommended to me by a digital marketer at the company, is one called Litmus. So it's called Litmus. Um, you can get a seven-day free trial with it, but the it's going to cost you about $200 a month. So it's not a cheap tool. Um, but it's got some very, very cool features, including it runs like advanced spam testing. So it'll, it'll tell you, it'll, it'll basically send, it'll, it'll give you email addresses um, from them. And they'll send out email. They'll send out an email to all the different um, platforms, and they'll tell you whether or not you ended up in the inbox, and give you advice on how to fix it. So sure. it's got some really cool features. It's a uh, if you know how to use the platform, it's really cool. Plus, you can customize 
each and every platform the look of how it's going to look. So you can actually have a different mobile email um, look than a desktop look. Because a lot of these, um, you'll, you'll do formatting for it'll look great on desktop, but when you open it up in mobile, it'll look totally different. So it's, it's kind of cool to be able to actually have that mobile responsive um, feature. And right now, Litmus is, is really the tool that you need to use to do that. In the future, they might be able to add this to some of these email platforms, but right now is the best way to do it. Huh. Interesting. So uh, switching gears a little bit, you know, I mean, well, let me ask you this question because I noticed that there are some emails that go out as really well-defined, you know, uh, framed, like you can go into MailChimp, for instance, and get a template and add the pictures and make it look almost like a website. And then other people sell, uh, send email marketing uh, messages that are just like a regular message. There's no pictures. It's just more text uh do you find that there's one that works better than the other or is this again depending on the market i I think it depends on industry um i use very minimal images in my emails so and and one of the things that's important is the speed of opening so if you're using images it's also important that you're um that you're condensing your files so you don't want to send a big uh, you don't want to send a big image file in an email because that will that'll also make it more likely that you don't end up in the inbox uh, because the speed of opening is too slow and they, they don't like that on the email platform. So that's something that is to, of consideration as well, is that you're compressing your um, your image files. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, mm-hmm. I personally, again, I, I found email marketing, if you're just doing marketing, I found it to be, um, I haven't really found a correlation between you know the higher end designs in, in traditional email marketing for what I do. I mean, I think if you're like a skincare product or you have something that's visual, it makes sense to have a more visual style for your emails. Um, But again, as far as if you're selling services or things like that, I don't think it's really necessary. I mean, I'll typically have like the logo on top. I'll have a a signature picture. You know, I I might throw in one picture in the email, but I I don't go all out with the fancy templates very often. Okay. And, and, and why is that? Is that just a preference or is it mostly just because you're trying to keep the uh, bandwidth kind of lower? Well, I'm trying to keep the bandwidth lower, but I, I don't see the difference in effectiveness. So I, okay. I've experimented a little bit with the more fancy emails and I don't really see a difference in one better than the other. So you know, um, I'm going to go with the simpler option if that's the case. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so switching gears a little bit, what, what, uh, as far as like the uh, types of co- like getting people to subscribe to an email, uh, you know, we talked about reciprocity a few weeks ago. We talked about, uh, you know, that uh, that the different types of engagement. But from your experience, what what do you think is the best way to get people to uh, sign up for your email and then make sure that they look for it? I mean, you have to give something of actual value, especially this day and age, because there's so many people trying to get you on their email list. So the most important thing is that the the lead magnet or the thing that you're giving away for free is something that's actually going to provide somebody with value. And it needs to be it needs to be intriguing. It needs to be something that they they really want. Um, and that's that's really the most important thing is that you're giving something that actually has value. It can't just be you know, you can't just give anything anymore like you used to be able to and get everybody to opt in because people are more cognizant of who they give their email address to because of this reason. So mm-hmm. to me, it's, it's just about how much value are you giving? And, um, and that's, that's the most important thing to get somebody to opt in. Now, I, I think that PDS still work fine. 
um, as long as, again, as long as the content is, uh, is of value. And also one thing to consider is you actually want your lead magnets to be smaller in length uh, because you want your audience to be able to consume them in like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. You don't want to send like a 200 page ebook as your lead magnet because people will likely, they'll download it, but they're, they're not likely to consume the whole content. So as far as like a marketing campaign goes, it doesn't work as well when they don't, when they're not able to consume it in, you know, I'd say five to 15 minutes. Hmm. Okay. So, so keep it short, keep it sweet, but give them something of value. Yep. That's what I would say. Okay. Okay. And, uh, as far as like, uh, you know, this type of thing, can you give me some of the industries that you work for and some of the lead magnets that have been successful for those industries? Um, thinking off the top of my head, <laughs> I, I have a terrible memory when I, you put me on the spot like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let me get back to you on that. So, uh, I'll oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you thought about it now? How about now? Not yet. Not yet. How about how about now? Okay. So, um, so, so uh, now, as far as like somebody who is just starting their kind of email uh, path, if you will, uh, there's also uh, autoresponders, right? Can you explain a little bit what a what a autoresponder does and how that works? Yes, I can. An autoresponder is a tool for automation. So when somebody subscribes to your list, you basically have a predefined sequence that gets delivered on a predefined time schedule. So I'll use these a lot, especially um, with opt-ins to deliver like a five email sequence, at least in the beginning. And the point is to is to indoctrinate people into your brand and then to move them um, into some kind of an offer. Now that offer doesn't have to be like a big paid offer. It might just be to check out your blog. It might just be to hop on a webinar. It might it might be to book a call, or it might be a paid it might be a paid offer. Uh, but you want to you want to take them from indoctrination into some kind of call to action at the end of the five email sequence. And so I, I do those a lot for clients um, right now. I, I tend to write a lot of these sequences for them. But the the way it works is you set this up like if we're I mean a lot of people use Mailchimp because it's free to have up to two thousand contacts on Mailchimp. But you would go in there, you would set up uh, an email that gets delivered. So some, as soon as somebody opts in, you could set up an email that gets delivered instantly. If you're giving away like a free PDF, um, you can attach that PDF to the email, which is smarter than putting it on the thank you page because there are tools out there that people can find your thank you page without opting in. Um, and they'd be able to download it if they were able to, if they were to figure that out. So it's better to attach the the gift to the email or even if it's a video series, you know, have it have it embedded in the email. Um, and then you, again, you're, you're going to indoctrinate them. You want to tell them about your brand on email. You know, so I'd say like email number one is kind of welcome. Email number two is kind of describing the brand, what you offer, and you're taking them kind of on a, you're, you're creating a story, you're creating a journey. And ultimately you're making some kind of an offer. Like, again, it might be a free webinar. It might be a free strategy call. Um, it might be a free entry or not a free, but a paid entry level offer. So probably a lower cost offer, depending on what your services are. That can be, it can be really low or it can be kind of mid range. Um, but that's essentially that's what you're doing. So you're 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 creating an automated beginning sequence, and and you don't want to stretch it out. In, in my opinion, you don't want to stretch these out too long, because you know content changes often. There might be current events and things. So I, I would probably encourage like a five to ten email automation sequence, and then start sending some uh, email. They call um, email blasts or where you just are sending live emails to the people on your list and you can just send those on the fly. So those are in real time. Now, you, you, 
Yeah. I just want to jump in here when you talk about an email sequence. So this is where uh, you'll send out like an automated email. Someone signs up for your email. The email is automatically gets sent to the person who opted in. Uh, and then you can do these various uh, sequences. So if somebody does – uh, decides to open up the email uh, or download the content, it will know that uh, you downloaded the content and then it'll ask you about it. If you didn't download the content, it will send a different email that will say, hey, we noticed you didn't open it. Is, do you have any questions about it? Um, and then maybe it might take you through a uh, different process that will eventually lead to a point of sale or an offer. And That's if somebody true. doesn't uh, click on that offer, then you'll get sent into a different track. Or if someone does click on it but doesn't purchase, then uh, you'll get uh, another automated email that will say, hey, we noticed that you went to the this page, but you didn't purchase. Do you have any questions? Is there anything that's holding you back? And you might restart the sales process process in a different way. So uh, part of the thing with an automation sequence is that it's like a, a you know, a, a choose your own adventure. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do that, yeah, this other it, thing will happen. It's kind of like in programming, like if then statements. Um, mm -hmm. So it depends on the software you're running. Like MailChimp doesn't have an advanced automated sequence, um, but Infusionsoft does, ActiveCampaign does, ConvertKit does. Um, but those cost more money, right? Like how much is, is uh, like an Infusionsoft? Uh, Infusionsoft, it starts at 100 a month or like 97 a month. And that's for a small list. That's I think it's only 500 contacts. And mm -hmm. it goes up to, I mean, I pay 300 a month for, um, for what I use it for. And I, but I also have e-commerce integrations and, and different things. So like with mine, I can, I can do what you're talking about. So if um, I can set it up a campaign and if somebody opts in, I could have a 10 email follow-up sequence, um, but I might on email number three, I might have a link for them to click. And if they click the link in email number three, then they get taken out of that sequence. So they don't get all 10 emails. They only get the three emails because they click the link on time. Um, and then mm -hmm. they get moved into a different sequence. And I can also set up automation that if they purchase, they get pulled out of the whole thing at any point. But if they don't purchase, then I'm, I'm sending what you talked about. Like I noticed that you went to the, I noticed you went to the landing page, but you didn't purchase. So uh, kind of following up and uh, making it more behavioral based and it's more, per it feels more personalized because you're kind of tracking the behaviors of the user. And then, there, and then uh, one other concept that, that will come up is if you, if you're really keeping track of your list, there's also this whole thing of list management. And if somebody stopped opening your emails for, let's say um, 90 days plus, those are people that you're, you're going to want to move out of your main email campaigns and you're going to want to put them into like a, you want to put them into a campaign for re-engagement. So something like, do you still want to hear from us? Um, just confirm that you still want to hear it from us. And then you put them back into the main list. And if they don't, then you want to take those people off your list. So you want to be periodically scrubbing your list uh, because the more, the more people that kind of open your emails also, um, the better your reputation score. So, hmm. Hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, that, that, um, uh, this gets into uh, buying list and the dangers around maybe buying a list because if you have an email list, um, and I actually have run into this problem where somebody wanted me to send emails out through a purchase list, uh, it, there's uh, spam laws are very, very uh, intense. And if you send out 
uh, a bunch of emails and too many people report spam on that list, they will shut down your account. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal. If you um, so if you buy a list and you and you, I mean the way to do this is you'd want to I would call it throttling. So you want to send it to very like if you had a list of two thousand, I'd probably send out a hundred at a time to kind of test the list because I don't want to get I don't want to get a lot of spam complaints all at once or they will shut down your account. So uh, I mean there are there are ways of doing it. Obviously, it's not a best practice ever to cold email people in bulk. Because it's, I mean, according to the spam laws, it's a no-no, and it's not a best practice. But the reality is, a lot of people do it still. So it's a, it's still a pretty common practice out there. But it's not a, it's not a best practice to do this. Um, this right. there are uh, email scrubbing softwares out there because if you if you do an email blast and if it turns out that some of the emails we call bounce, meaning that they don't, um, they're no longer they don't longer exist and they they don't even get delivered. That will uh, that'll hurt your reputation score, and it'll make it more likely you end up in spam. Uh, and also, if you have uh, syntax errors, so like if you have a an Excel document and one of the emails is uh, Justin dot dot com, you know, so there's a syntax error, there's two periods, not one. Um, then that will also hurt your deliverability in the um, in the in that blast. So there are softwares out there that will that will do this for you. That will actually scrub your list. And they they just charge you by um, by how many uh, how many people are on the list, and they'll they'll scrub it for you. Or um, you could do you could just kind of go through and, and throttle it and go slower, and it won't be it, it, the impact is lower if if you have you know if you're getting one complaint on a on a list of a hundred, the impact's lower than if you're getting you know ten complaints on a blast of two thousand or or things like that. And and services like Mailchimp, they absolutely will shut down your account. And if you, uh, in affiliate marketing, Andros, uh, MailChimp has a strict policy on affiliate marketing. So if you, a lot of times when there's a, if you're promoting somebody else's product, a lot of times they'll send you the email copy that they want you to send to the list. And if you do that and MailChimp determines that it's a commonly used email text, they will ban your account. So, um, so I, so that's a, that's a newer thing. So if they, if, if they see that this text has been used by other marketers, um, they will ban your account right on the spot for a violation of doing affiliate marketing through Mailchimp. Wow. Now, I, I mean, you know, we live in a day and age where everybody talks about uh, mostly social media marketing and search engine marketing. How how important is the email marketing in this day and age? Would you say, especially as people are using more like WhatsApp to communicate or you know, direct messaging, where, where does this fall in line? Would you say? Uh, it's still more important than people realize. So it's, it's still actually very, it's still very important, but the, the importance has dropped significantly over time, but it's still actually one of the most profitable ways of marketing and especially remarketing to your existing customers. So it's yeah. a, it's a strong way of, of reaching people. And if you have a warmer list um, that engages with you, that can be a very valuable tool still. Now, again, if you're cold emailing, that could be, it might be worthless. You might not be able to get anybody engaging with cold emails, um, depending on how you go about it. But if you're, if you're doing it right and you're doing it for the right purposes, um, then yeah, it still is a very valuable marketing tool, but it is, we are moving into more of uh, messenger and we're moving into more WhatsApp and we're moving into different platforms. Uh, but email is still pretty much everybody uses email still. So it's, it's still a valid platform. So that's what I would say. Hmm. Hmm. 
that's really interesting. Anything else that you would say, like, what's the, like, if you were just starting to grow your list, uh, what would be kind of the main thing you'd want to advise somebody? I, I think that to do it right, um, exercise patience, I guess would be the best thing to do because to do it right, you need to, you want to grow your list with engaged people. So if you're going to, you know, networking groups and you put out a fishbowl and people are throwing in their card and you're just adding them to your list, it's almost like emailing cold traffic. Yeah, they give you their business card, but they probably don't know who you are. Um, so it, it, the more the more people um, kind of know who you are and remember you, the better your results are going to be over time. And it's it's really about quality lists versus size of the list, especially this day and age. So I mean, you could have a million person list, but if uh, but if the open rate is terrible then you know, it's not as valuable as a, a list of um, 1,000 people that are constantly engaging with the emails and opening the emails and, um, and they have a relationship with you. So it, to me, it's about the quality of the list uh, over the size of the list. Huh. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I know one thing that uh, doesn't really worry about size that much. You know what that is? <laughs> what is oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> sex robots. That's right. They don't care. They don't new, give a music? bite. Is, is this new music? No, man. This is, this is like... Right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, we got our... Mama, mama. All right. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the sex robot report. Brought to you... By the marketing geeks, I got a really interesting story. This this brings in uh, politics and uh, and sex robots. Although uh, from uh, from good old uh, House of Cards, uh, the best line of that entire series was uh, "Everything is about sex, except for sex. That's about power." So interesting statement. Yeah, especially coming from a guy who is now looking for his career under a rock. So uh, this is from Ross Story. Sex robot conference featuring Steve Bannon implodes as he loses multiple Montana speaking gigs. So for those of you uh, who don't know Steve Bannon, he uh, worked with uh, President 45 and he – Looks like uh, the guy on the spaceship who's trying to hide his disease from the rest of the crew. He was also and, the uh, former editor at Breitbart. That's right. That's right. Very interesting guy. And uh, uh, recently he's been spotted in uh, Europe in uh, where I happen to be right now uh, trying to set up uh, – uh, political campaigns for people who are, well, let's just say, don't believe that the Nazis should have lost the the World War II. Well, let, let me ask you this, Andres, because yeah. uh, if Steve Bannon's not going to the conference, does that mean there's an opening? That's a good question, and we should look into that because I would love to bring the Sex Robot Report directly to uh, this conference. But according to Ross' story, former White House advisor Steve Bannon was supposed to headline a sex robot conference and has lost multiple speaking gigs since it was announced. Well, I don't that's know. Quite a, that's quite a shift from working in the White House to headlining a sex robot conference. It's interesting. I, I just, I'm just backtracking on like your suggestion that we should go speak at the sex robot conference because I don't want to lose multiple speaking gigs. 
the Montana, <laughs> the Montana Camian student newspaper at the University of Montana reported Tuesday that uh, the Athenian Parisian Free Speech Forum, a debate event Bannon was supposed to participate in, uh, was canceled after growing outcry from the UM community. Uh, it was stated that uh, Camian noted the third of his appearances has been canceled since news broke that he was a keynote speaker at the fourth annual Congress of Love and Sex with Robotics. The Sex Robot Conference itself was canceled along with the 15 International Conference on Advances in Computer Entertainment Technology. In the Missilla Current reported both conferences were organized by Adrian Chick and the director of the Malaysia-based Inter- Imagineering Institute. So, so let me uh, get this straight. So there's a there's a conference called Love and Sex with Robotics, and this is the fourth time it's happened. Interesting. I, I guess so, and I, I've never been invited. So, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I why, learn so much from this report every week. Uh, it, it, it's so true. So um, GOP strategist Rick Wilson, meanwhile, joked that there is now a, quote, opening for a speaker at a sex robot conference in Montana since they iced out Steve Bannon, or as he's known by his non-debat Real Doll fans, 69XXX. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little confused as to why someone would uh, invite Steve Bannon to a sex robot conference. Uh, but, uh, you know, all I can say is that uh, maybe they're trying to prototype uh, a Steve Bannon sex robot to basically make it so nobody will ever, ever have sex with a robot. Ever. So <laughs> that's uh, that's all I got for this week for the Sex Robot Report, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very informative. <laughs> yeah. And uh, next week we will bring you more exciting sex robot news. Uh. We're breaking down. We're breaking down the stereotypes. We're breaking down the stigmas. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, all right. So on to the final portion of our show. We've got some really interesting geek news for you. Uh, I've got, I've got, this is, uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, have you ever seen Between Two Ferns with, uh, yeah, I have. yeah yep. so Zach Galifianakis. That's the guy, the, uh, the man I, I, and I commend you for being able to pronounce his last name. Uh, there has been a Between Two Ferns movie that has been secretly filming. And uh, so now there's going to be a Between Two Ferns movie, I guess. Um, so is that going to be like a, like a Borat where it's hidden cameras combined with scripted material probably? I have no idea. But uh, if you haven't seen Between Two Ferns, you could Google it uh, or just go on YouTube and – uh, the one uh, he did one with uh, with Brad Pitt that was uh, that was so funny. But uh, for my money, uh, he actually had Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton came on the show. That was, that was yeah. Interesting. He actually pulled pulled. Uh, he actually retired the show and he pulled it out of retirement for Hillary Clinton. But uh, but for my money, I, I'm actually a, more of a uh, Eric Andre fan. And if you uh, if you haven't seen Eric the Eric Andre show. Uh, oh, by by all means, please Google that and watch some of his interviews because uh, that's pretty good. So, yeah, that's there's a there's a I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work, but there is a Between Two Ferns movie that is being made. So 
What do you got yeah, for I me? I mean, it's intriguing. It's intriguing. I got uh, Rambo 5 has wrapped filming. So all of you Rambo fans out there, it's happening. Well, I'm ex- Aren't we excited that we're getting a fifth Rambo movie and Rambo's going to take on a drug cartel this time? And he wears a cowboy hat in the, uh, in the, in the released photo. So we're getting Cowboy Rambo versus the drug cartel. I mean, what more could you ask for? Uh, not that, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this, this whole thing of these like sequels like this, they've all been terrible. Like none of them have been good. Like no, like there's been like a lot of these recently, especially like the predator. I told you how bad that movie was. So oh, yeah. I, I have very little faith in this movie being good, but God, I was, you know, that was really a disappointment that I wish that the predator was better because I love Shane black. I love the concept. I was hoping that would be a reboot that uh, would really like get things going. But no, I mean, how do you take such a great property and just continuously mess it up? I mean, I don't, really. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just don't get it. And they, yeah. Um, right, next in geek news, uh, Spider-Man into the spider verse is being released. I believe it's this weekend or the next weekend and it's getting very impressive reviews. And this is a movie where they're, it's animated. It's a computer graphics movie where they are taking all the different versions of Spider-Man and somehow combining them into some sort of, sort of a story. But you have people like you have Peter Parker, the traditional Spider-Man, who's played by Nicolas Cage in this movie. You have Miles Morales, uh, who is a Spider-Man in the Ultimate series, I think. Uh-huh. And then you have uh, Spider-Gwen. And I don't know what else. Those are the three I know. But there's more. Yeah, and uh, 100% uh, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 100%. So, uh, so far from the advanced reviews, everybody loves it. So it's supposed to be um, uh, I think pretty... the Lego guys, the Lego movie guys are behind it. I think it's uh, the guys that were supposed to do Han Solo are behind this movie. And the people love their movies. The, the, the two Lego movies got reviewed very highly as well. Yeah, uh, something that's not getting as good reviews, uh, but I'm actually still looking forward to it, is Mortal Engines, which uh, I read the book, which uh, very entertaining, but not uh, not getting the best reviews. So, um, you know, but I'll, I'll probably still see it. I mean, my you know, my son is now four, and uh, he's almost at the eight. Like, I could take him to Into the Spider-Verse, and I know he's going to dig it. Uh, but some of the more like intense live action stuff, I still, you know, got to wait till he's a, uh, a little older. And, uh, how about, how about your, your son? Your, 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 he's, he's too young. Uh, he's, still. he's too young still. I mean, he'll, he'll probably appreciate the, the visuals and things like that. He likes, uh, he likes Elmo right now. That's his big, really? that's his big one. He like, but it's more about the music than the, uh, than anything else. Yeah. You should show him Caligula. See, see how he likes that. Caligula, okay. Yeah. I don't even know what that is, but I'll show it to him. Yeah, just uh, just um, don't just just start playing it. The two of you should watch it together. You'll love it. Uh, finally, in uh, in uh, real geek news, this is pretty awesome. Uh, NASA sends a spacecraft to meet with an asteroid that's on a collision course with Earth. Bum bum bum. This is. I wonder if uh, if they put uh, Bruce Willis on that uh, on that <laughs> spacecraft. But, Somebody uh, better call Bruce Willis and Steve Buscemi. That's right. That's right. Uh, so NASA has sent uh, a spacecraft called the Oris REX, and it's finally reached the asteroid known as uh, 101955 Bennu, 
which uh, may be on a collision course with Earth after traveling just over two years since its launch in uh, September 2016. The mission, which will bring gains back to us to study on Earth, uh, is the latest to return in asteroid samples to Earth just after the Japanese Space Academy, uh, Space Agency missions. The uh, I'm going to mess up this name so bad. Hayabusa 1 and 2 and Stardust. Uh, and uh, this is from thenextweb.com. The data will help unveil more about the origins of the solar system and how to protect the Earth from possible asteroid impact. And all I say is just send Bruce Willis, right? But the sad part is, I, I believe Bruce Willis had to sacrifice himself to save Ben Affleck. So that's the that's Ooh. the sadder part of this whole story. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> if we had to, if we had to give up Bruce Willis for Ben Affleck, boy, I think well, let's switch it up this time. Let's give up Ben Affleck for Bruce Willis. Oh, gladly, <laughs> gladly. <laughs> so uh, the spacecraft will spend the next year uh, completing a detailed survey of the surface of Bennu. And uh, it's 492 meters in diameter, including uh, locating most suitable landing sites. And once the site is selected, the spacecraft will land for about five seconds to collect a sample of the surface material using a burst of nitrogen gas to liberate material from the surface, including a, uh, the sampler head. And the spacecraft has enough gas to attempt three sample collections from the surface and will hopefully provide a sample between 60 grams and 2,000 grams of surface material. And uh, it will start heading back to Earth in 2021 and get here in 2023, just in time for the end of uh, Marvel Phase 4. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just in time. Speaking of Marvel Phase 3, no, I guess we're, we're in 3. Yeah, yeah. Captain Marvel's trailer was released this week, which, uh, I mean, the technology on the DH Samuel L. Jackson is pretty incredible. It looks uh, it looks great. Movie trailer looks, uh, looks fine. I'm not, like, super excited for it, but I, I think it looks pretty good. I'm sure it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great. I, you know, I mean, all of – look, the, the Marvel movies, i got to admit, it, it's, it's, kind of like, uh, it's kind of like sex with the robot. It uh, varies from <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing excellent to pretty darn good. And with that <laughs> – Another episode of the Marketing Geeks, ladies and gentlemen. I did want to say, I did want to say that Ron Burgundy is doing a podcast. So they, uh, Will Ferrell will be playing Ron Burgundy on his own podcast coming up soon. And if you didn't know, I'm a fan of Ron Burgundy, and you might know where I use some of his lines on the show. That's right. That's right. Just to pick them right up, use them for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have any questions that you want to ask us? about marketing we will answer them for you reach out to us on linkedin we mostly answer every single inquiry email us we have an email address what's the email address uh real marketing geeks at gmail.com you can email us at real marketing geeks at gmail.com and with that we close out another fabulous edition if you loved our show please at least uh, leave a comment, say how much you like it, rate us very highly, invite 5,000 of your closest friends. And if you really, really love us, go to the Patreon page, link below, put a tip in the tip jar. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Remember, just $1 
Just $1 will get you a shout-out on the show. $5 will get you a shout-out plus copies of all the webinar files. And with that, stay classy.